Welcome, friends, to the podcast. Good to have you here today. Um, man, I've had so many people reaching out lately, messages, um, just that people are struggling. So I just want to say, number one, you know who you are if you've reached out. I just want to say you're not alone. Um, hang in there. You, uh, you know, keep up, keep, keep up the fight, I guess is what I'm saying. And we got a lot of good resources for you. I know I kicked down some zoom meetings, uh, to you guys and, uh, hopefully just some encouragement too. So just hang in there, keep reaching out. If it's, uh, if it's not to me, uh, to someone in your community, keep listening to podcasts. We got some good resources for you today that we're going to help you, uh, help kind of guide you to or through today too. So, uh, before we get into the episode today, uh, this episode's brought to you by promises, behavioral health. Uh, so let me ask you this, have any negative impacts, which I know there is, because like I said, I've been getting the messages, have they affected your life, your job, your social life? Maybe you're looking for a job and that's tough. Um, family, being a parent, all those types of things uh, can really be tough sometimes. So if that's you, if you're struggling through the pains of addiction, a mental health disorder, maybe it's not you, maybe it's your family member too, someone that you love, now's the time to seek some help. Um, I know for me, it took me a long time. Like I would go back and forth and I, I kept thinking I could do it on my own and then I would not be able to. And so I just want to let you know, again, you're not alone. There's help out there. It's not weak to ask for help. It's actually a big sign of strength. So I want to encourage you reach out if you need some help. Promises Behavioral Health is here for you. They can answer questions. Um, they can help you with anything that you need. And let me give you some options about how you can find out how to do that. Number one, you can go to promisesbehaviorhealth.com slash sober guy. The team over there, they're awesome. They've created a great page. Uh, it's got our partnership on there. There's actually some photos of myself and our family. Uh, we went out and uh, trying to represent that you can have a family in recovery and they can live a better life. So one more time, that's promisesbehaviorhealth.com slash sober guy. Or you can do the good old fashioned way. Just pick up the old telephone. Give it a ring, 888-205-1890. That's 888-205-1890. Tell them that you heard about them from that Sober Guy podcast. All right, I got some good stuff coming your way today. Let's jump right in. I don't want to waste any time. That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. All right, I'm Shane Raymer. You're listening to That Sober Guy podcast, and we help people stay sober. Uh, be sure to check us out at thatsoberguy.com. You can also connect with us on Instagram, at Real That Sober Guy, uh, on Twitter, at Shane Raymer, and on Parlor at Real That Sober Guy. Our guest today is uh, Nakia Eaton, and Nakia is the outreach manager in Southern California for Promises Behavioral Health. Uh, she's got a bachelor's degree in science from Colorado State University, uh, and also, most importantly, she has her own story of recovery, which we're going to get into today. Uh, you can reach out to Nakia at nakia.eaton at promises.com, and we'll be sure to put all her contact info uh, in the show notes today if you want to holler. Uh, Nakia, all the way down from San Diego right now. I'm up here in Vacaville. It's good to connect with you in this digital space. How are you doing? Good, Shane. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Yeah, yeah. It's good, uh, good to have you. Um, we got to chat a little bit beforehand, so we've both been in that boat of you know, being parents and um, trying to kind of navigate through work and life. And then you add on all this other crazy stuff that's going on. And at the end of the day, like trying to stay sober through it all. Um, 
I can't imagine trying to get sober right now. That's one thing I think that has been coming up a lot for me lately. I don't know if you've been hearing the same thing. A lot of people reaching out, looking for help. Um, you know, what are your, what are your thoughts and what have you been seeing? Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of the same. And I, I think about that every day, I swear, because I've got some really close family and loved ones that are trying to get sober and it's so tough right now, yeah. you know? So I think about that because I was really blessed and, you know, I got sober in December, 2011 and I didn't have to deal with all this. Yeah. Honestly, it's just crazy. Yeah. Um, but I will say I, you know, I think I'm so grateful for, you know, the, the tools and the technology that we have today, because I think yeah. in spite of everything there is like when there's a will, there's a way for sure. And so yeah. thank God we have these resources available today to get sober. But yeah, I agree. I think it's really, really tough. Um, no, it's a, it's a good point. And you just brought, you just kind of triggered a thought for me. And that is, you know, I've learned a, a lot in recovery, not just obviously how to not drink and use drugs to deal with stuff, but like how to, how to kind of deal with it in at least a somewhat healthy manner. Like I'm definitely not perfect by any means, but just an example of that is like, I miss like a good old fashioned meeting, right? Like in person, the social interaction, like all of that. And it still kind of pisses me off a little bit that I can't go do that. But at the same time, um, I've really had to kind of work through that and, and realize that there's other resources and there's other, there's other things like, you know, zoom, all kinds of zoom meetings. Like we post them on here. It's on that sober slash get help. The info's in there and then promises has some as well that are posted there. Um, but like, I guess what I'm getting at is perspective. Like I'm able to have perspective on stuff versus just like bitching about stuff. Now at least I can go, okay, maybe I'm not so happy about that. Yeah. I wish it could be like this, but it's not. So let me yeah. kind of transition and do what I can do. Does that make sense? Or am I just kind of blind? Absolutely. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I feel the same way too. And I'm always a big believer in controlling my controllables, right? So yeah. like, I can't control what's going on around me. I can't control COVID. Obviously yeah. I can do my part to try to help reduce, you know, what's going on in the world. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. And it's yeah. really tough to deal with, but you know, I have, and I have to practice this every day, like shifting my perspective. And for me, like I really, like I struggle with it, honestly. Yeah. And even now, and I was, I was just talking to a friend recently and I'm like, man, this second wave of COVID, like I'm, I'm over it. Like I'm just yeah, over it, Me too. you know, because <laughs> it is tough, but you know, I also have to look at, okay, so I can't control that, but what can I do today? So mm -hmm. for me, what that looks like is really trying. And I, you know, I try to pray and meditate every day. That's something that I started practicing when I first got sober and it's, you know, served me really, really well because that yeah. helps me kind of just get connected back to myself, back to my higher power and just like looking at, okay, what's really important and what can I do? Just even the stupid little things. Like I swear to God, I do, I try to do two minutes of meditate or uh, yeah. of gratitude when I'm doing my prayer and meditation every day. Yeah. And I notice such a big difference when I do that. And I, and I'm not kidding. Like I thank God for the dumbest things like <laughs> that I take for granted every day, you know, yeah. like I'll thank God that, oh my gosh, like I can walk, I can yep. see, I can hear, I have That's a good. bed to sleep in every night. You know, I have a roof over my head. I have food to eat. And I, and I just like, I thank God for literally two minutes and I try yeah. to do that as much as I can every day. I don't do it perfectly, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I try to do that every day and it makes such a big difference in my day 
Um, and I noticed too, on the flip side to that, when I don't do that, like my perception of how like the world is and what's going on around me is so different. And then, you know, and, and I try to catch myself too. I don't always, cause sometimes I'll get on my little, you know, I'll have my little pity party or whatever, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but I try to catch myself. And when I am getting in that, you know, kind of, you know, around the rooms, right. We call it stinking thinking. Yeah. When I notice myself getting into that kind of thinking, like I really try to just step back and remind myself like, okay, like I need to stop in the pause when I'm agitated yeah. or doubtful. Right. And I ask for the right thought and action around that. And then, yeah. you know, usually that's, you know, for me getting into gratitude because I have so much, even with everything going on, I do, I still always have so much to be grateful yeah. for. And even when I was newly in recovery, I still, and I had literally nothing, like nothing. I was coming up on, I remember one year sober and um, I had a really bad relationship and he like relapsed and flipped out and like destroyed all my stuff and whatever. And I was thinking at the time, like, and I was really distraught and I was like, oh my God, I have no job. I have nowhere to live. I have no clothes. I have no nothing, like nothing. And thank God, like it was in those times that I had all my, like a lot of my, cause I always stuck really close to the women in the program. So I had all my girls that were in the program that were like, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Like you're going to be fine, you know? And so it was like going through that tough stuff and learning. And it was really, it was a practice, like learning to turn it, you know, over to my higher power and just be like, all right, yeah. like, again, I surrender. Like, what do I need to do? What's my next indicated step? You know, man, you said a lot of good stuff there Two two things that stand out in particular is at the end, you're mentioning community, like the importance of having good people around us, like so big, like people that can encourage us, we can lean on, um, that have been through it sometimes too. I know that, um, you know, there a lot of people that I find reaching out are very isolated. They're, they're, they're stuck in their own space. Maybe they just go to work, they come home, they eat dinner, they drink a little bit or a lot, and then they go to bed, you know, or, or and it's just the same repetitive cycle. Um, so having those people in community around us is so huge. And then the other thing I wanted to point out too, and then I want to hear more about your story and I'll shut up, but I just, I think this is really important. Like, um, you, t- you, you mentioned that it's not, it's not perfect, right? Like you, um, you're, we get the ability to realize like now, like that when we're getting like that, would you say the stank, uh, the stank attitude or I forgot. Stinking yeah. Stinking thinking. Like, it's so <laughs> cool that now, like, I, f- I think people get this perception that, oh man, you get sober and like your life is like perfect and everything's great. Oh. And a lot of people say, oh, you just think you're better now. Cause you're, that's just not the case at all, man. Yeah. If anything, it's harder. Cause we actually got to feel now and we actually got to work right? through it. So I just want to point out like guys listening, g- girls, ladies, men, whoever the heck's listening, like it's, it's not perfect, but you get this opportunity to work through these things and realize when you're getting a shitty attitude or realize when things aren't going your way. It's like, man, okay. I have some tools now that I can kind of deal with this stuff. And those are the types of things that we actually get to learn as we kind of go through this whole, this whole journey. So I don't know if you have any response to that, feel free. Uh, And if not, I I definitely want to hear some more about your story and stuff too. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I had no tools. (laughs) My tool was drinking and using like that was my solution to life. Like I, you know, I had a tough life growing up. I, you know, I come from a family of addicts and alcoholics and all that, you know, and everything that goes along with that. But I did not learn any of those tools that I would see these other people have, you know, like I was like, how did they 
deal with all like I don't understand and then I found like I started and and I started drinking and using pretty early and I think a lot of us that are struggling in today's world like a lot of us started drinking and using early so you know I started when I was like 12 13 and when I found that I was like oh my god this is the answer to all my problems like everything is so much better as long as I'm loaded like I'm fine you know like I can be okay like I can breathe yeah um And I didn't, you know, prior to that, I didn't feel like that. I just felt just completely like in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it talks about being maladjusted to life. And that's exactly how I felt. Like I felt like I was maladjusted to life. And then it was through the process of getting sober and getting into recovery that I started to like learn those tools that I always felt like all these other people had prior to that. I just never, I like, I didn't get that book of like, okay, this is what you're supposed to do in these various (laughs) situations, you know? Um, and so for me, you know, that was, that was it. Like I needed the tools and now I have those tools, you know, and I know, like, I know what to do now. Right. Even, even though life is not perfect and, and there's always stuff, right? Like there's just always, there's always something going on, whether it's out in the world or whether it's in my own personal life, like there's just always shit going on. Right. Like it doesn't matter. Um, but the difference is today, like I have the tools and the resources available to be able to work through it and work through it sober and stay yeah. sober in recovery, which before I never, I couldn't do it. Like there, there was, I just didn't have a way to do it. My only solution was, okay, I don't like these feelings. Like I'm really uncomfortable. I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to drink or I'm going to use yeah. or, And usually for me, it was both, you know? And so that's what I did for a long time. And, you know, and initially it worked for years it worked. And then at some point along the way, it just, it stopped working and there just wasn't even enough. Like I couldn't feed myself enough of anything to make it better. It just stopped. What, uh, so did you have, did you have a moment that, um, well, actually let me back up a little bit. Maybe if you don't mind, what was like a normal day? Like I just want, and I'm not trying to glorify the the craziness or whatever, but I just want to give uh, you know, those listening an example of maybe for you, what just like at the end of, at the end of your rope, when you were there, what, what did that normal day look or normal? I put normal in quotes. Yeah. But, <laughs> what did yeah. that look like? Well, so for me, you know, I mean, over time it got worse and worse and worse. Right. I yeah. mean, I started drinking and using really early on. I didn't get sober till I was 27. So I had a good, like 14, 15 years of like getting loaded. Yeah. Um, And so for me, like I said, it progressed a lot over time. By the time I was 18, I was a daily drinker, daily user. Um, And so, you know, that's when things really kind of started to get bad. And that's when I still didn't know. And I didn't know what being an alcoholic was. Like, I didn't know. I obviously had heard of alcoholism. My dad was an addict and was in and out of, of AA and recovery and stuff like that. So like, I knew sort of kind of what it was, but I didn't truly understand like what that meant. Right. So that wasn't even really in my realm of awareness a whole lot. Like I just thought, and at the time I just thought I was drinking and partying and I was doing what everybody else was doing. Yeah, It's like what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Which is like everyone I hung out with, like that is what everybody did. So it was very normal to me. Um, and then as time went on, I started blacking out more and more. Um, and I remember initially when I started blacking out, I thought I had been drugged because I didn't know that I was just blacking out from drinking. Yeah. Um, and so, and then as time went on, I started blacking out more and more and more. 
And then actually, and part of this, I lived in Austin for a while. We were talking about that before yeah. we started. Um, so, and part of that, like, that's when things really started to get bad for me was when I lived out in Austin. Cause it's a part, I mean, it is, it's a party town and it was yeah. a lot of fun. And I was in my early twenties and you know, that's what I did. And, um, and then towards the very end, I ended up moving back to San Diego. Um, and for me too, like a, a part of like moving around was like doing this geographical thing, right? Like I was like, okay, I'm going to move to this other city yeah. or a different part of San Diego where no one knows me and no one knows my past. And like, I'm just going to get away from like that old life. And I'm going to like, kind of try to clean up my life and it's going to get better. Right. And so I just, I thought that, and like, I mean, honest to God, like I thought if I just kind of got away from yeah. whatever group of people or what, like, I didn't realize at the time it was all me, right. Like everywhere I go, there I am. Yeah, and so, I but I didn't know that yet. Right. Like this was all like this learning yeah. process over the years. Um, and you know, so for me at the very end, it got really dark and it was not, you know, like I mentioned, things stopped working, right. Like there was the very end, like there was no amount of drugs or alcohol that I could put into my system to make me feel okay anymore. Like it just, it stopped working completely. And so my day is like just a normal day was like, I mean, I, I, and so for me, I'm alcohol, Adderall, cocaine. Um, and so that was like my little trio that I would do. And so I was always pretty, you know, on Adderall during the day because I was trying to stay up so I could try to have a job and like keep things together and like trying to pay bills and trying to just be somewhat self-sufficient. Um, and then at night it was like a quote unquote party, but it wasn't a party anymore. There weren't very many people left around in my life. Nakia's <laughs> um, partying uh, yeah, on the solo, huh? Or with a couple yeah, people. So, yeah, I know how that goes. Well, no, like, well, yeah, I mean, it was kind of that, but also just like, I would hang out with like just these derelicts, right? Because like, <laughs> all my like fun party friends had like, they were long gone by this point. Right. Cause no yeah. one wanted to hang out with me anymore. I was a train wreck. Like literally yeah. I was not like, it was, it was not a cute drunk at all or yeah. addict. Like it just wasn't cute. And so, you know, all the like normal people that just did normal partying were like gone, they were long gone. Right. So I just hung out with a bunch of derelicts that were all selling drugs and which was perfect for me. Cause I'm like, okay, well, cool. Yeah, this got... is convenient. Right. Yeah. Um, and so at the end though, it did get really, really dark. It wasn't fun anymore at all. And so I did this, like, you know, my little trio of alcohol and cocaine all night. And then to try to, you know, I was up all night usually. Right. And then I have to like go to work in the morning or try to go to work in the morning. So I'd get up, pop some out or I'll get ready in my car as I'm driving to work and try to like hold it together, which didn't last very long. Um, but it was really dark too, because I was at that point, I got to the point where I was totally suicidal and I just didn't want to live anymore. And I also, by this very, now I didn't mention this, but I had come in and out of the rooms prior to, for like a couple of years before that I went to rehab, got out, stayed sober for four months, decided it would be a good idea to go to Vegas. Oh. Not a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> probably not. Not a good idea. <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> I don't I feel like nothing not ever good so. happens in Vegas. I guess that's like the saying. That's why it probably stays there. But Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I went to Vegas and then I was like, okay, I'm only going to party while I'm in Vegas. But then once I get home, I'm going to go back to being sober again. Right. Like that was my thought. Like I honestly thought, isn't that. it crazy and how we do that too, though? We make up these, yeah. okay, I'm only going to do this, but you know, and it's like, it never works out like that. No, I totally believed it. Like yeah. I believed my own lies. And that was the thing too, with my addiction, like, addiction is so strong 
that we believe these lies, right? And like, you know, the book tells us like, it's cunning, baffling and powerful. And Jesus, it is Mm -hmm. like, it's just crazy. And so I, you know, there's all these lies going on in my head, right? Like, I think I'm going to be able to control and manage it, but it doesn't work. And so, you know, I struggled for another couple of years. I was coming in and out of the rooms too. I was chronic relapser. I could not get sober literally to save my life. And I remember the feeling of just being so hopeless. Like I just, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't imagine how people got sober and stayed sober. And that also sounded miserable to me at the time. I just was like, what a horrible life. Um, But I also was miserable in my disease, you know? And it was like this weird thing where I just, I couldn't imagine getting sober and I couldn't imagine not getting sober. And so for me, that ended with me being totally suicidal. And just, I was like, I'm just, I can't do this. Like this life thing, like doesn't work for me, you know, like, I don't know how to do this. Um, and so it got really, really dark at the end. And, um, I finally, so the day I got sober, nothing really spectacular happened. And, you know, for me too, I don't have like a crazy story of like, you know, ending up in jail. I did lose some jobs and stuff like that, but like, that's not my story. I, you know, I wasn't one of those and I have a ton of friends that that is their story, but that wasn't mine. And my point to saying that is that you don't have to be this super, super low bottom, like alcoholic drug addict to be an alcoholic and a drug addict. Like that's not what it's about. Um, and so for me, you know, I did get arrested one time, but I didn't end up having to go to jail. Thank God. But other than that, like nothing really crazy had happened. And then this day in particular, when I ended up getting sober, like nothing was different. Nothing had happened the night before that was any different than any other night. It just was for me an emotion. Like I just lost it emotionally. And I was like, I just can't do this anymore. And I, at the time I was living back at my mom's house, you know, 20, seven years old, like feeling like shit, um, because I just couldn't be self-sufficient. And I knew I was like supposed to be, you know, on my own living this life, doing, you know, working and you know, all the stuff that we think we're supposed to be doing by a certain age or whatever. Um, and I wasn't, and I just, you know, felt horrible. And so, you know, nothing, like I said, nothing really happened. And I was in the shower getting ready to go to work. I had been up all night. I think I slept for like an hour that night. And, um, So I just had like this emotional breakdown and I got out of the shower and I went to my mom, of course, like we do often (laughs) crying and was like, I need help. Like, I can't do this. Like I need help. So, um, she, thank God for my mom. She's the sweetest woman ever. But so she helped me find another treatment center to get into. And I went into treatment and this time I did what people suggested. You listened. I didn't want to. Yeah. 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 Which before I always was just trying to do it on my own. You know, I was like, I'm going to figure out how to manage and control this. And for me, like I didn't really want to get sober. I wanted to learn how to drink like a lady Mm. and use like a lady. Cause that was still like my delusion. Right. Like I still want to be able to have fun and like drink and coke and go to parties and whatever. (laughs) Right. And so Anyways, so long story short, so I went into rehab again and and this time I did listen, you know, and there was God, this one counselor at the treatment center I went to who was such an asshole. I hated him. (laughs) But anyways, he said something and it's has always stuck with me. And he was like, when are you going to take off your job interview outfit and just like be real? 
Damn. You know, because I was always very good at, and I think part of this was like growing up in an alcoholic family, right? Like yeah. you have to put on a good front yep. so that no one knows what's going on at home with your like alcoholic heroin addict dad who's beating your mom, right? Like yeah. that's not like, you don't share that at school. Yeah. <laughs> like, totally. That's not really like, you know, people don't really. Uh, Especially know, even like, that. yeah, no, like, uh, cause a lot of the time that's just like not it's not socially acceptable to talk about that stuff, especially as a kid, you don't want to feel weird and different or whatever, man. That's a really tough thing. You know, have you yeah. found too? and I don't mean to interrupt, but I think this, no, I, I just have a quick question. Like, have you found that as you've continued on in your recovery and stuff, um, has, was, has that been, um, kind of connected to some of the feelings to want to numb out and stuff or like do you have you worked through a lot of that in your recovery or, or what's yeah your take on that yeah i mean there's still always stuff for totally. sure and yeah yeah totally you know i think it's honestly it's going to be a lifelong process but yeah yeah i do i you know i spent so when i went into treatment when i got out i did sober living which i did not want to do yeah. but I'm glad I did it now. Um, but, um, hold on yeah. real, real quick. Do you hear Nakia saying how many times she didn't want to do something and she freaking did it anyways. And it ended up coming out. So I just want to point that out guys listening out there that a lot of the time there's a lot of things we don't want to do, but we know in our gut that it's the right thing to do. If you know that, then just do it and just do the work. And cause I can promise yeah. you from my experience, I'm sure Nakia would say the same thing that it, well, you just said it in the long run, you're glad that you did do it, you know? I'm Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm sorry, go ahead. Sober living. You didn't yeah. want to do it. And yeah. So I went into sober living, I got out. And then, you know, while I was in sober living, I went into this really like strict structured sober living again, didn't want to do that. Right. Yeah. But, um, but I did. And when I was in there, like we had to get a sponsor, we had to start working the steps. Like this was not optional. We had to go to a certain amount of meetings for AA or whatever we wanted to do, but like 12 step meetings yeah. every single week. And I think we had to go to, I want to say we had to do one a day. I don't remember it was a while ago, <laughs> but, um, but I did all of that, you know? And so I did get a sponsor and I did start working the steps and lo and behold, like I started learning those tools that I was talking about earlier and learning how to like get through life without having to drink and use over it, which yeah. for me was, I mean, really it was a miracle. I could not put a day together. And in fact, when I first came into the rooms, I met this girl who had four years sober and she was young too. Like I was 27 and I think she was like 28 at the time and she's an ex heroin addict and she got sober and she had four years. And I remember thinking at the time I was like, Oh my God, how do you have four years yeah. clean? Like that's insane. Like I just, it just, honestly, it blew my mind. Like I didn't understand. I just was like, I don't yeah. know how people do that. Like yeah. I can't even go a day. Like I couldn't at the time, you know? Um, but anyway, so yeah, so it was really, I mean, the steps have helped me immensely in dealing with all the addiction stuff, but also like all the past stuff with my family. And like, we all do, right? Like we all have trauma and stuff from our families yeah. that we bring into our lives, no matter what, whether we're an addict or alcoholic or not. And so I think, you know, for me, the steps were really helpful. And then I also, I mean, I've been, I still to this day go to therapy. Um, and that was another thing that really helped me work through some of the other like childhood trauma that I had yeah. that it has been like, it's just so helpful because you know, it does really, it kind of makes you pause and stop and like, look at this stuff. And then even, you know, between therapy and the steps and all that stuff, it just helps me work through it all, you know, and get free from it. So let's, let's kind of break, break this down here really fast. Like you're talking about like putting the work in. So I kind of want to break down like the stigma real quick, because I just feel like, 
like a lot of people reach out and I'll give them resources and they don't follow, they don't do it because number one, they're probably not ready. Right. We can't, we can't push anybody, but I can share my experience. I can, I can provide you a meeting or whatever. Um, but I think the stigma behind what you're talking about behind, you know, 12 step behind therapy behind all, like I just, now I understand it because I'm sober and I've, I've actively, you know, done, I did a lot of, um, uh, uh, counseling and stuff growing up too. So I was a little familiar with that, but like, if we, if we want to get in great shape, we got to exercise, right? We got to do the work like to get there. And so I just wish that, you know, and I guess that's probably why you and I do the work that we do is because we want to help break down those barriers of that stigma. Like you're not weak by asking for help. You're not, you're not less than because you're going out and you want to seek therapy and get the help to build yourself back up and work through the crap that you didn't have any choice that you went through as a kid anyways. You know what I'm saying? So I just like, what, what's kind of your take on the stigma and how do we help people get over that like that fact of like, oh, I, I don't want to go there because then I'm labeled or then I'm this or then I'm that. Like, man, like in order for us to live the life that God has kind of mapped out for us, we have to show up and do the work. So I don't know. what, yeah. what What's your take on any of that? Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I do think there's some stigma there for sure. I think, uh, you know, in a positive light, I think a lot of that is starting to fall as time goes on. Right. And as it, as it becomes more normal to be, and I think even just, I mean, I've been sober for eight years and I think even since I've gotten sober, yeah, that's, you know, there's been this drastic shift in, you know, what it means to be an addict or an alcoholic or have mental health issues. I mean, and even, you know, my um, stepdad has bipolar disorder. And so even with, you know, dealing, you know, and being alongside with my mom and, you know, having, they got married when I was an adult. So I was already like gone out of the house and all that, but, um, but, you know, kind of watching her and him go through this and like, you know, him going into treatment and him doing, you know, therapy and stuff like that. I mean, I just think the stigma is starting to shift, Yeah, I but agree. I think in terms of helping it and continuing to help that process along, it really just takes everybody being open a, if we're the ones that are struggling with it to be, you know, be willing to step out and be uncomfortable, yeah, you know, that's and good. that's a lot of what I've learned in my own recovery too, is And somebody told me this too in the very beginning, get comfortable being uncomfortable because you will be like, you just, you are going to be. And I remember just as an, as an example, when I was going through my fourth step for the first time, and I try to do the steps every year, I don't, but I try. Um, but, um, you know, when I was going through the fourth step for the very first time, I was so uncomfortable. I felt like there was this like big gaping, like once I had written it all out and done all that stuff, like I felt like there was just this big open gaping wound and I just felt raw, like very raw. Mm. And, you know, and then thank God, you know, I continued on to go through the steps and like, you know, finish working through that stuff. But, you know, I think that's what it takes is just being willing and being open to just be uncomfortable. Right. And, you know, if I'm the one that's like going through whatever it is, but I also think too, just, for all of us. And I think, you know, with everything in life, just be more and try to remind ourselves to be open-minded yeah. and that we all have our issues and we all have our struggles, no matter what it is. And it looks different for everybody, but I think trying to be more open-minded to what other people are going through. And even when somebody's, you know, having a tough day, just, you know, if, I don't know if you go to the store and somebody's rude to you or whatever, doesn't hold the door open for you, whatever yeah. it is, right. Just, you know, 
all right, well, maybe that person's having a bad day or maybe they're going through something that's tough or yeah. whatever, you know? Um, and I think, you know, just sending, I don't know, like sending out positivity and love to everybody yeah. and not just, you know, being closed minded. That's a, when you're saying, you know, not un, or understanding that maybe they're having a bad day, it just reminded me of Don Miguel Ruiz, um, the four mm. agreements and not taking yeah. stuff personal. And I know that said, I mean, it talks about that in the, in the big book and steps, of course, to doing those, but mm. like just that has been an ongoing, um, learning experience and struggle. And there's been some wins there for me too. And like, not, you know, not taking stuff personal, like understanding that, like, okay, that's <laughs> not about me. That's about that person. So I can like release it, you know, and just go about my day. Cause that kind of stuff would eat me up back in the day. You know what I mean? And oh, get yeah. all pissed well, off and like, well, screw you. And then, you, you know, you got this resentments and all that crap. Like I don't have to live like that, you know, anymore. Yeah. And that's, that's nice. You know? Yeah. Um, so what that to this day still, but I really try it. Like, and again, this is part of my journey right now. And it's yeah. practice, like being mindful of that, you know, cause mm. even just, like I said, somebody not holding the door open, I'm like, oh, that was yeah. rude, you know, yeah, yeah. but you're right. Like, it's not about <laughs> me, right? Yeah. Like not everything in the world is about me. Yeah. <laughs> and that was another really important lesson for me to learn when yeah. I got sober was like, the world doesn't revolve around me and not everybody's doing everything to hurt me or make me feel better or whatever it is, whether yeah. it's positive or negative. Like it's just not always all about me. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Just you just reminded me of my, my daughter rude <laughs> her and her brother. They go back and <laughs> rude. And so he's you're rude. I'm like, oh, gosh. can you guys both stop being rude? Jeez. So we, <laughs> so we have kids too. Right. And you, you mentioned a uh, uh, prayer and meditation. You try to do it every day. I same here. Like I'm not perfect at it by any means. A lot of the time it's my walks in the morning. That's kind of like my meditation, but anyone out there having kids, I, if you don't pray and meditate, I don't know how the hell you get through life, period, because <laughs> I love my kids more than anything in the world. But man, some days are are crazy, you know, trying to stay sober and just do life. Insane. Yeah. Um, real. Yeah, for real. So let's um, let's let's I have two I have two things I want to get into. First, um, I want to hear a little bit about what your life is like today, just sober, like, like personal life, parenting, um, you know, just in relationship, whatever it is that you want to hit on. Like, what is that like? How has that changed? How is it better? How is it challenging? That kind of stuff. And then let's get into some of the work that you're doing with promises and how you kind of hooked up with them and, and how serving, you know, kind of helps you stay in your own recovery too. Yeah, absolutely. So everything has changed, but nothing has changed. Mm. Um, you know, it's one of those things where when I got sober and I did the work, meaning the steps and doing everything yeah. that goes along with that and sponsoring and all that stuff, which that's another thing that I still to this day struggle with is sponsoring. I, and I do, and I sponsor a lot of women, but I still sometimes don't want to do it. You know, it's inconvenient sometimes. And I'm busy. I have four kids. I go yeah. to school. I work. I'm, you know, I have a fan, like all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Like, and so it's one of those things, but I have to prioritize it because I know that that is one of the main ways for me to stay sober. Right. Yeah. Which is what I want. And for me, something that's really important is I do not ever want my children to see me drunk or loaded. Like I used to have to see my dad. So for me, that is a huge driving factor. Like I just don't, I don't want that for them. Yeah. Um, and so today, you know, I still continue to do that stuff. I still pray and meditate. I still do meetings. Um, I actually do Al-Anon now too, which I love. And oh my gosh, I'm so grateful for that program. But um, 
and I sponsor other women and I'm so grateful for that too, because that's a big, it's just such a, it is a bright spot in my life. But like I said, I do, you know, I struggle with it too. And I don't always want to do that. I don't always want to go meet with my sponsees and sit with them for two hours going through the book and doing steps and reading fist steps and all that stuff. I just don't like, that's just the honest to God truth. But on the flip side to that, when I'm going through tough times and I'll tell you guys, I had a really tough, probably the last year and a half has been like one of the toughest years I've had in a really long time. And I swear to God, I got And this is like God doing for me what I can't do for myself, right? So God plops in this this girl who is the most high-maintenance sponsee I have ever had in my life, calls me all the time, calls in the middle of the night. She's like, you know, loaded again, relapsed again, whatever, right? Like all this stuff. However, like I swear to God that has kept me sober over this last year and a half because it has been super, super tough. Um, and today, like she just got nine months the other day, we just finished her steps. So we just finished step 12 with her and like, she's doing amazing. So that has been amazing to watch her transform too. Like that's been so, so cool to watch. And she was really, I mean, just gnarly, gnarly drug addict, you know? And so to watch her has been really cool. And so that's a big part of my life today. Um, what what do you think it was like for for her, did you, was there anything in specific? Is it just, she was ready. That was her time. Or um, was there anything that clicked for her? I'm just trying to kind of relate to maybe someone listening. Who's just like you just know, going back and forth. Just doing the steps. Yeah. And doing the work, right? Questions. Doing the work. And, and for me too, I'm not like the type of sponsor where I'm like, call me all the time. Like I'm going to keep you sober. Cause the, the truth is I'm not going to keep you sober. Yeah. I'm just not like, if you're a real drug addict or you're a real alcoholic, like you are beyond human aid. And I fully believe that. And so my job as a sponsor is to direct you to your higher power um, and continue to like help you learn and practice, you know, shifting your focus to your higher power that can keep you sober because I can't, you know? And so, so that's what, you know, that's a big part of my life today is sponsoring other women. And there's a line in the book and um, I think it's chapter seven and it says that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. Mm-hmm. And I live by that. Um, and like I said, I mean, it's really, I want, I, I do the work that I need to do to stay sober. And so I continue to do it even eight years into it. Um, and so that's, you know, a lot of what my life looks like too. But then, you know, Shane, like you were mentioning, I mean, I have husband and family and four kids and all, you know, work and school and all this stuff. Right. And so, um, so it's busy, you know, and I do have to really prioritize my life, you know, and I have to really prioritize, you know, for me, you know, staying spiritually fit. And so I have to prioritize that time. And I, and whether it's in the morning and sometimes, and I love waking up in the morning, I'll try to get up before the kids and like, pray, meditate. I get my coffee and like do, you know, my little deal that I do in the morning. Um, and so I try to do that and then, you know, just, or I'll do it at night or whatever, you know, whenever I can find the time. Cause I have, I like, I just have to literally go crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But so, you know, and, and so life is good, you know, I have an amazing career today and I work for an amazing company and I have, you know, an amazing family and they're by my side and no one has to worry about me anymore. And, um, you know, and so like all the external material things are great, but it's more the internal stuff, you know, it's like, you know, I'm not suicidal anymore. Mm. 
I, you know, another thing for me too, I always, you know, really, really struggled feeling like I was either less than or better than depending Mm. on the situation. Right. (laughs) And today, and I still struggle with that. Like, it's still like part of my journey, but you know, it's a lot different than it used to be where now I really can truly just connect like one human being to another human being and like sit and talk to you or anybody really, you know, and just feel okay in my own skin, which I never used to feel, you know, and I was depressed. And I, like I said, I mean, I was suicidal. And so that, and I like, I always just felt in that for me, one of my biggest fears was like, I'm not good enough. Right. And so that was a big thing for me. And I still, like I said, I mean, I still struggle with it, but it's, you know, a lot less than it used to be. So from an emotional standpoint, like that has been the biggest shift for me. And I said, you know, earlier, like everything has changed, but nothing has changed. And what I meant by that was, you know, through the process of recovery and going through the steps and like doing all this stuff to, to find and to get recovery, which I continue, I'm still on this journey, right? Like it's mm-hmm. not over. I'm not dead yet. Thank God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, all, all this outside, I always thought like everything on the outside, well, if only this happened, or if only he did this, or she did that, or I had the job or the car or the whatever, right? Like I thought if I could just manage and control all this outside stuff that if that happened, I would be okay inside. Right. And what happened for me when I got sober was, and I did the work, it wasn't just the getting sober, it was the getting sober and getting into recovery and doing the work. None of that outside stuff changed. Right. But inside, I felt completely different. And now over the course of time, like, yeah, some of that outside stuff has changed. Like the material stuff has changed. Like I have, you know, like I mentioned, I've got a family and kids and I go to school and work and all that good stuff. Um, You know, so that has absolutely changed over, over time. But like the biggest shift has been me. And I didn't realize that whole time. It was like, no, my perspective had to change and everything internally for me had to change. And now everything on the outside looks different, right? And there's a book and um, I think it was Chuck Chamberlain, um, a new pair of glasses. And it's all about that idea of like nothing on the outside has to change. It's just, I have to change on the inside and then the whole world looks different. Yeah. And that has been, you know, one of the biggest lessons I've learned in recovery. And I'm so grateful for that because it does. And, and truth be told too, like I have to constantly think about that and remind myself of that. And that's why I do the two minutes of gratitude or I try to do it every day because it does help remind me like all that outside stuff is there and I need to be grateful for it for yeah. sure. And, um, but that's not really like where the work lies. Like, the real work lies in here and yeah. what I do. You know? Yeah, that's good. No, it's, that's great. That, that's that perspective that we get to gain some insight on, you know, on what's important, what's not <laughs> like, I don't think I'm going to lay on my deathbed one day if I ever am lucky enough or unlucky enough, depending on how you look at it, I guess, to lay there. (laughs) But I'm never going to say like, oh man, I wish I had more money or I wish I had more of this or that. Like I'm going to want time like with my family. I'm going to want peace of mind, peace, ease. You know what I mean? And so that like perspective, um, it's so good. Like just like you said, the gratitude thing, gratitude's gratitude is a great tool. I will say that for sure. Like that, like you're saying that practice at two minutes and you can do it anytime during the day. Right. I mean, it doesn't have to just be in the morning. Maybe you forget. And it's like later on during the day. Oh yeah, I didn't do that, man. Well, what am I grateful for real, real quick? You know, really does help. Um, so Real, real quick, shout out to the Promises team. Love you guys. It's um, 
it's really an honor and I'm, I'm very, very grateful to have just a, a, a solid resource that, um, I can, you know, provide to other people who want to reach out. So you have been with promises, um, for about six months, I think now, right. Going, yep. going on somewhere around there. Um, how, how'd you get hooked up with promises? Like what, um, you know, maybe tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing. How does it relate to your recovery? I mean, all that stuff. It's, it's good. Yeah. I'd love to. Thanks. Yeah, so I um, I got hooked up with Promises about six months ago. I have, you know, being in recovery, there's quite a few people that are in recovery that also work in the treatment center industry. And so I have a really good girlfriend who um, works at another treatment center. And so she got me hooked up with the Promises team. And um, so that's how I kind of ended up coming on board here. But really, it was more, it was just like a God shot type yeah. of a thing. I yeah. um I was working, I actually worked in wireless for a long time. I worked for T-Mobile for a long time. And, um, and so that's what I was doing before I was traveling all over the place and it was awesome and I loved it. And then when I had our baby like a year ago, I really needed to do something different where I wasn't on the road and traveling all the time. Like yeah. I was before, cause obviously I want to be home with my little munchkin man. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so it was just, it, it, honestly, it was a God thing and it really, it's so cool. I've never worked in a more amazing industry. Like I feel so blessed. And that's one of, that's, you know, part of my gratitude list every morning too, or when I, you know, or throughout the day, whenever I do it, but it's so cool to get to work in this industry because I know what it's like being on the other side. And I yeah. know what it's like when you're struggling and when you're hopeless and you're down and out. And for me, like, I remember that feeling of like just being shackled. And that's what I literally think in my head. Like I picture being shackled to my addiction and that is a horrible horrible place to be and so you know and I remember that and so for me being in this industry is it's amazing because I get to be of service to people that are looking for help you know and honestly sometimes not looking for help right a lot of times it comes in from mom or dad or mm. husband wife whatever um, or brother or sister, whoever it is. Right. And they call and they're like, Hey, my brother or my son is really struggling. Um, and for us at promises, we do, um, addiction treatment, but we also do primary mental health treatment too. So, um, even people that aren't struggling with substance abuse, but are, you know, have some other mental health issues going on, like we're able to help them. And so, you know, a lot of times we get calls from these families and I'll sit on the phone and talk to mom or talk to dad or whoever it is. That's just, and they're beside themselves. Right. And sometimes it is, it's the person who's afflicted with either the addiction or the mental health issue, um, that call. And they're just, they are hopeless and they're depressed and they're down and out. And so, you know, for me to be able to be a resource for them and to be able to help provide them some sort of hope, yeah. Um, and give them, you know, an idea that there is light at the end of the tunnel because there is, yeah, you know, and through recovery, like you for sure, like you can find freedom. And that's one of the other big things for me is being free from that addiction is so huge, you know? And so to be able to, you know, help somebody along the way and in whatever their journey looks like for them, but to be able to help them and provide some help to them when they're really, really struggling. And give them a chance at freedom and to, you know, kind of get unshackled from all that stuff that's going on is just amazing. And the other part I love is that I get to work. There's a ton of people that are in this industry that are in recovery themselves. And yeah. it's like, you guys are my people, you know, and <laughs> yeah, it's my just crew. so cool. I yeah. love it. It's amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. all right. I got a, uh, 
uh, off the cuff kind of question. What are you listening to or reading right now? Podcasts, Ooh. books, what, what are you into? Okay, so I'm always reading several books Okay, <laughs> at once usually. <laughs> um, so right now I'm reading, which actually came from my girlfriend who got me hooked up with promises. Um, it's called The Evolution of Motherhood by huh. Susie Lula. And she is actually out of Orange County and she's amazing. And so this book is um, obviously about motherhood, but it's not yeah. just about motherhood. And it's about how, um, you know, it's a lot about self-care and really, really taking care of ourselves. And I think it's really pertinent to this time, right? Because it is harder to do self-care. I think right now everybody is struggling with mental health or addiction, or maybe it's just the normal, like kids are home, no one's in school, husband and wife. And even for me, like my husband's, you know, working upstairs and yeah. so we're both working from home and, yeah. you know, it's crazy, right? Trying to, trying to juggle all that and do self-care and all that stuff. So I'm reading that right now. Um, and that's been such an amazing book and I just feel so much better. Like, it's just all about, you know, getting centered again and really taking care of ourselves and, um, how through doing the self-care and getting re-centered with our, like, our, just our internal selves and our soul or whatever you want to call it, that we're so much better able to care for those around us. Um, and it's amazing. I love it. It's so cool. I, uh, I try it. Like I can read but I fall asleep all the time. I know I'm, I'm like, I can read. Yeah, I can read, but like I I'll get into books and then I found that I always like finish half of them too. And then I set them down and then it's not a sign of like not good books either. Cause they're good books, you know, but yeah. I, I don't know. I guess maybe that's why I got into podcasting is like, I like the yeah. listening and that kind of thing too. Yeah. Um, well, if folks wanted to reach out to you, if they, um, they had any questions or they just want to holler at you just in on a recovery tip. I mean, where can they, where can they do that? Do you have of, uh, Instagram, um, any social media, email, what, what would you like to give out today? And I can put everything yeah, so in the show Yeah, so if you guys notes. want to reach out via email, um, Shane said my email at the very beginning. You guys are, if you're local here in kind of California or the Western area, you guys are welcome to reach out to me on my cell phone. Um, so uh, Shane, I'll give you my number if you want to pass that along. Yeah, yep. Um, and, um, but yeah, anybody's welcome to reach out. I'm happy to help. And, and even if you just need help finding resources, a therapist, whatever it is, I'm pretty connected in California, especially. So I'd love to be able to help just provide resources if you just even want someone to talk to. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. Thank you. And I'll put that, I'll put the email address in the show notes. And once again, it's Nakia.Eaton at promises.com. So if you want to just go in there, you can, uh, you can find it in the show notes as well. Um, man, any last words of advice maybe for anyone out there struggling right now, who's just kind of at their wits end and, um, you know, what would you say to them? Yeah, I think just reach out to somebody, whoever that is and ask for help. And, you know, Shane talked a lot about that today. You know, it's not a sign of weakness to reach out. Like we all need help and I had to reach out. And I think a lot of us that are in recovery at some point had to just bite the bullet and, and be you know, just okay. And the fact that it's scary, you know, and it is scary getting sober and I, you know, and I get that. And so, but it's, you know, we have to just reach out and ask for help and, you know, it'll open up a lot of doors to help you find freedom from it. Yeah, and you good. don't have to live like that. Like you can have freedom and serenity and peace, even though it doesn't seem like it when you're in, you know, really at the end of your rope, but it doesn't seem like that, but I promise you can. For sure. It's good. It's good. Thank you. 
Well, thanks for coming on the podcast today. We appreciate it very, very much. Thank you. Glad that eight, eight years, it's awesome. And uh, congrats to you, your family. And uh, thanks for the good work that you do too. Awesome. Thanks so much, Shane. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in today. Uh, be sure to check us out at thatsoberguy.com. Connect with us on Instagram, at realthatsoberguy. On Twitter, at Shane Raymer. Uh, there's meetings, uh, promises, rooted online meetings, and then the Zoom AA meetings. Just go to www.thatsoberguy.com slash get help. All the meeting info is on there. So you got that digital resource there as well. Share the podcast with a friend. I love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Peace, love, and respect, and keep your blood clean.